Brad, you forgot your Bartlett pear halves in light syrup. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that Brad, he's quite the comedian, isn't he? Well, I want to say I'm really happy to be here today. Um, really glad to be with you guys. And I want to tell you that I just expect today that God is going to be here in the house with us. I don't expect that we're going to come into this place and go through all these motions and uh, just have a good time together. I expect that we're going to actually have an encounter with God. And I, well, I said the first service, I said, you know, if I'm just going to come here and hang out with you people, that's not good enough. Um, if God's going to be here, then I'd love to hang out with you. It's it's great spending time with you, but um, we just we need a God moment in our lives, don't we? We just need time with God, interaction with God, and I want that to be right now for you. I don't know what your week has been like, but uh, wow, what a week we've had, huh? Um, I just I can't. I, <laughs> First of all, thank you for saying happy birthday to me. I appreciate that. Um, and I'm only going to say I am now fully vested in the 40s. <laughs> you can take that for what you think it's supposed to mean. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Um, but in all of my 40-some-odd years, I've never seen a week like this week. I've never seen a week with the turmoil and the upheaval and the unknowns like I've seen in this week. I remember several years ago when the Gulf War broke out and it was a major deal and we stayed up half the night watching the news reports and seeing the first the first Gulf War and seeing the first smart bombs go into the buildings and how we were all amazed at that kind of stuff and saying, what does that mean? for?" But even that did not have the kind of impact to me as this week had because for me, I look at it and say, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. I don't know if I'm going to have a house next month. I don't know if I'm going to have a bank account. I don't know if what's going to survive and what's not. And I'm not saying any of that to scare you or to startle you because I think you've probably been confronted with these kind of things yourselves. What I'm saying, the reason I'm saying all that to you is that we need to know where our anchor points are and we need to come to a place where we can release and cast those cares on somebody else. I don't know for sure about you, but I think it would have been very easy for most of you to have walked through those doors in the back here today carrying with you some sort of a heavy load, some sort of a heavy burden, fear, anxiety, uncertainty about the future and what it holds. And I'm not going to sit here today and tell you that I have answers about what the future is because I don't, and I don't know what it's going to look like. But what I do have answers for you is that I, I know who God is. I know God. And I trust God and I believe in God. And I want to say to you, God's big enough. God knows what's going on. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. But I want to, I want to strongly encourage you right now, if you brought those cares with you through the door, take a big breath, heavy sigh, pick those cares up off your shoulder and cast them aside for a few moments. Let's spend a few moments recognizing who God is and allowing Him to have interaction with us as we go through this time. Now, we've uh, been talking about the journey for a few weeks now. This has been a, a very good se- series that we're in. We've heard lots of good feedback about how uh, many of you have been impacted already by this series. 
The first two weeks we spent talking about Bible reading and the importance of the Bible in our everyday lives. The next two weeks we spent talking about prayer and how it was so important for us to develop an ongoing relationship with God. And I want to say to you today that Bible reading and prayer are fundamental elements of the Christian faith. They're fundamental. And so many of you have said things like, I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of those simplistic, simple things. Sometimes we try to get all fancy schmancy on, on living things out and the fanciness and the, the complexity just doesn't work for us. We need to get back to the, to the fundamentals. Matter of fact, I, I liken it to, to this. Uh, my favorite football team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Go Jags. By the way, in case you didn't know, they have a big win coming up tonight against the Steelers. So <laughs> Check it out. Watch it on TV. You'll see. Um, but when we played our first game of the season against the Tennessee Titans, the Titans just whooped up on us. And uh, hey, hey. <laughs> um, and we came away from that game decimated by injuries. We lost three or four starters for the season in that game. And it caused the team, it really threw the team into disarray and, and havoc. The, the fans were just going crazy. Our season is over. Oh my goodness, how are we going to come out of this? And you know what the coaches did? They took the backup players, kind of like you guys had today. You got the backup players, you know, Jeff and Peg are away for the, the weekend and, and we have some other backups around. But they took the backup players and they went back to the fundamentals and they taught those guys and reinforced them and said, we're not going to run really fancy plays. We're not going to get all, all complex in our offensive schemes and our defensive schemes. What we're going to do is we're going to run faster. We're going to tackle harder. We're going to block better than the other team. And... It took them a while, but they kind of got that turned around. And even with backup players, now they're kind of back on track because they went right back to the fundamentals. Professional athletes who are getting paid tens of million dollars a year have to remind themselves how to tackle all over again, how to block. Fundamentals. Well, it's no different for us. You see, we can, we can think that we're going to pray all fancy prayers with flowery words and impress other people, but it's not what's important. What's important is the relationship with God, the communication with God. We can think we can know the Greek and Hebrew meaning of the words as they come from the, the Bible, the Word of God, and understand the uh, Hebraic implications and historical... All of that stuff is good, but it's just not what matters. What matters is knowing that this is the Word of God and taking the Word of God and ingesting it into our lives. Fundamental things. We're going to continue... Um, with the fundamental things this week. We're going to ask yourself, I want to ask you a question now. Are you on a trip or are you on a journey? We've been talking about a journey for a few weeks. And this week in, in my life group, I asked the people in our life group if they understood the difference or they had an idea about the difference between a trip and a journey. And what they said to me was a trip for them was going from point A to point B and turning around and coming back from point B to point A. It's a going and coming uh, and, and perhaps it's a, a shorter time frame. It has, it's a, a less uh, protracted event. It's just usually for a specific purpose. Whereas a journey, you don't necessarily know where your end destination is going to be. You just know that you're on the path. A journey, you don't necessarily know how long it's going to last. You're just walking down. That's what we're talking about, the journey of our Christian life, the journey of our walk with God. And we don't have all the answers about the future, but there are things we can learn about the journey as we move forward in it that we need to learn, we need to get our, our heads around, and we need to grasp hold of and practice. 
The fundamentals are a part of it. Um, the final thing I want to say to you before we get too far into this is that your journey is your journey. Your journey is not my journey. And your journey is not the journey of the person next to you. And it's very important that we don't spend our lives comparing ourselves to other people around us, but that we find a way to put our lives together and to uh, interact with God in such a way that we know what His plan is for our life. God has a unique plan for you. You are a unique individual, and God wants to work in your life in a unique and individualistic way. He's got a journey idea in His mind. The goal is to get you to line up with his idea. So we're going to go there. So as we move forward on this journey, uh, any of you have been to the airport lately um, and went to check in baggage? You know what, where they have that little metal frame where you put your carry-on bag in to see if it's going to fit? Yeah, there's a picture of it. See if it's going to fit down in, into the, the, underneath the seat or in the overhead compartment. Recently, I was at the air, airport, and I, no lie, I saw a guy had a bag, and he took it up, and he set it on top of that metal frame, and it wouldn't fit. It was too big. <laughs> so he turned around, and he sat on it. <laughs> and he starts kicking the side of it and squeezing it, and he's trying to force it, trying to manhandle it down into that metal frame. You see, this guy did not get the idea that sometimes it's better to pack light. Uh, he, was, he was packing too heavy. Brad gave an allusion to you earlier that we need to talk today about the next fundamental step of talking about our journey is that we need to pack light. If we're going to move forward with what God has for us, we need to be light packers. Well, that, I did a little research on light packers and overpackers, and I found the, um, the top ten overpackers in the world. The top ten overpackers in the world. Uh, number ten overpacker, yeah, this is his motto. Do you charge extra for carry-ons? I think he got the idea that one bag should fit inside the little container, but um, maybe, you know, he didn't get the volume concept to it. Number nine overpacker, Yosemite or bust. Here we go. We're going to get there, and your kids are going to have fun. Number eight overpacker, I'm saving fuel by reducing trips. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he gets the pack light concept at all. Number seven, hey, buddy, want to ride? You know, if we get one more guy in here, we can make another 50 cents. I don't know if that's what's going on. Number six, overpacker. Hey, you guys move to the center. We've got a hairpin turn coming up. Uh, there's a big load for you, right? Not, not packing light there. Number five, recycling is good for the environment. Uh, that's quite a... Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with that guy. Number four, can you believe the prices of that yard sale? We really cleaned up there. <laughs> Number three, uh, Fred, did you have to bring the whole family? Yeah, talk about overpacking. Number two, I get three tennis shoes to the mile. You know, I'm just amazed. And the number one overpacker on the whole Internet, I searched far and wide, this is the number one overpacker on the entire Internet. Fill her up and check the transmission. Somebody needs to tell that guy how to not overpack. All right. The point of all of that is to tell you that, you know what? In our lives, oftentimes, we are carrying too much stuff. We're just taking too much with us. If we're going to follow God and be where we need to be with Him, it's important that we find a way to pack light. So let's look at some Scripture. If you have your Bible, and you should have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 9. 
Luke chapter 9, we're going to start right at the very beginning of that chapter, and you can follow along in your Bible because you'll have your Bible. For those of you that don't have your Bible, we will put the words up on the screen, but of course, (laughs) that's only for those people who didn't know to bring their Bible, right? (laughs) Oh, we've been having a little fun with that, for those of you that don't know. We've been having a little fun saying it's time to bring your Bible, and uh, we'll put the words up there for the ones that don't bring them. Traveling heavy. <laughs> you might want to keep the Bible as one of the essentials. That one's important. <laughs> Spoken like a mama with a diaper bag, huh? Yeah, there we go. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus now called the twelve and gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and heal the sick. He said, don't load yourselves up with equipment. Keep it simple. You are the equipment. And no luxury ends. Get a modest place and be content there until you leave. If you're not welcomed, leave town. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and move on. In another translation, that's where he says, shake the dust off your feet and and move on to another place. Verse 6. So commission, they left. They traveled from town to town, telling the latest news of God, the message, and curing people everywhere they went. Now let's talk about this for a minute. Jesus gets his disciples together. These guys that have been walking with him, they have watched Jesus perform ministry out there in the streets. They've watched him heal the sick and give sight to the blind. They've watched him raise the lame up and and cause them to walk again. They've watched Jesus loving people, giving them the love of God through his acts and deeds. Now he's gathered them all together and he said, all right, guys, it's time for you to go out now and do a little OJT, a little on-the-job training. I want you to go out and do what I've been doing. But here's the thing. I don't want you to take a bunch of stuff with you. I don't want you to take an extra change of clothes. I don't want you to take a third or fourth pair of shoes. I don't want you to take your debit card. I don't want you to take a bologna sandwich. I want you to just take what you've got, the shirt on your back, the shoes on your feet, and go. Now that's packing light. That's packing light like you and I don't know. Now, I wonder, if you were to go out on a journey today, if that's the way you'd pack. i, I got to tell you, I, that's not the way I'm used to packing. I have a friend who uh, starts, when he goes on a journey, he generally starts packing about a week in advance. <laughs> Matter of fact, Kim, I think the last time you guys went on a journey, it was several days in advance you started the packing process, didn't you? I'm not making fun of you. There was good reason for that. Not making fun of you. <laughs> I like to pack because I like to be prepared and I like to have plenty of stuff with me. I like to, to know that I've got everything handled. Jesus said, I want you to go on this journey and I want you to be dependent upon me and me only. So don't take any of that other stuff. Well, that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of big, isn't it? So as we talk about the journey today, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these questions and I want you to turn them around inside you and let these questions be kind of a spotlight or a searchlight on your heart. And you ask these questions of yourself and you let God ask these questions of you and you give yourself an answer or you give God an answer to these questions. They're not for you to answer to me, but they're for you to deal with in your own heart. All right. First question I want to ask you about the journey that you're on is where? Where are you going? You see, the destination that you're going to kind of determines the load of what you'll take with you, doesn't it? I talked with Carl Schwing earlier. About a year ago, 
he and Brenda went on a motorcycle ride um, out west, I guess Arizona, thereabouts. He said they covered 6,500 miles in two and a half weeks, just the two of them on a motorcycle. Now, if you're going to go that kind of distance, two people, and you're on nothing but a motorcycle, you're not packing a lot of extra stuff. We talked about that. I said, so what did you take? You know, He said, we knew where we were going to get there. We only took the things that we had to take, and we didn't take a bunch of extra stuff. It required some advanced planning, but it required them to be very efficient in what they did. And you know what they did? They only took two pair of clothes. They wore one set of clothes, and they packed the other set of clothes. At the end of the day, they'd put the dirty clothes back in the pack, and they'd pull the clean clothes out, and that's what they'd wear the next day. At the end of the second day, they got a couple of sets of clothes to wash. And so I asked him about shoes, because you know how women are about their shoes. How many shoes did Brenda have? <laughs> they wore their riding boots on the bike, and they had one other pair of comfortable walking shoes that they packed with them. And that's all. That's amazing. Brenda, I got, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Two and a half weeks. Here's, here's the thing. If you know where you're going, you will pack according to where you're going according to what you need for that particular journey. Next question I want to ask you is, what? What is the journey in your life all about? And see, it's important that we wrestle with these issues. Where are you going on your life's journey? And what is this journey all about in your life? Because I want to say to you, if you are going to a place that's all about getting a bigger house, getting a nicer car, getting more stuff, getting all kinds of fancy shoes and clothes and jewelry and whatever else is that you're... Maybe it's just prestige and honor and it's that new job that you want. Maybe it's fame and fortune. I don't know what it is, but where you're going and what that journey is all about for you are very, very important questions. I, uh, I gave Jeff a hard time back in the summer when he was preparing to go to Bulgaria. I said something to him about his laptop and he said, oh, I'm not taking you my laptop. I said, what? You're not taking your laptop? You're traveling internationally and you don't have a laptop? I, I, that's, I can't believe that. I would not imagine getting on a plane, going across the, the pond and not having my laptop. He said, well, I'm not going to be in a place where they have internet. Uh, well, okay, you're smarter than I am. He, he packed light because he knew what he was going to need. I, it reminded me of a trip I took to the Philippines several years ago. And when I got there, we were stationed, we were based out of Manila, and I had my laptop, by the way. But as a part of a, a small trip on that journey, we went from Manila out into the, one of the mountain areas to minister to some people. It was, it, we were gone for two days, and a good portion of the trip, I had to ride a water buffalo to get where we were going. Or as the Filipinos call it, a water buffalo. So I rode the water buffalo, and I've got to tell you, there was not any place for a laptop on the back of a water buffalo going up and down the mountainside. We were, in, we were in mud and muck up to that water buffalo's knees. He'd step down in the muck and pull his leg out and go to the next one. A laptop was completely irrelevant and out of place in that, in that position. So where you're going and what the journey is about really determines what you pack, doesn't it? It has some, some impact on that, those decisions. As we move forward on our journey of life, it's important for us to ask ourselves, what is our journey about and where are we headed? Am I headed down a path that's just about the things of this world? 
Or am I headed down a path that really, in a bigger way, is about me following God? My path, I hope, and I hope for you, that that your path, that the journey that you're on, has something to do with, at least in a general sense, if not a specific sense, following the heart and the will of God. Because, see, I, I happen to believe that being on that path and on that journey is the most enriching path, the most enriching journey that you could possibly have. Following and obeying God. But it requires that you pack light to follow God. Let's look at another passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 6. Now, we talked last week about prayer from this same chapter, Matthew 6. Jesus was teaching the people and He said, now, when you get to to pray, this is the way you do it. And He gave us some instructions on prayer. We, We discussed those last week. Same chapter, a little bit farther down, Jesus is doing some more teaching to the people out on the, on the mountainside. And he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse, 27, or verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me say that again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me say that again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a very, very important verse. If you like to write in your Bible or feel comfortable underlining your Bible, this is a good one to underline or circle. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you write down verses to memorize them, this is a good one to memorize. You want to know where your treasure is or where your heart is? Look at your treasure. See, here's the question you've got to ask yourself. This is an extremely important question. Where is your heart? Answer the question. Answer the question to yourself. Answer the question to God. God is asking you that question. Where is your heart? I had a good pastor friend of mine, a good friend of mine, told me one time, he said, let me see your calendar and your checkbook and I'll tell you everything I need to know about you. Because your calendar and your checkbook represents where your treasure is. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend any resources that you have available to you? Where do they go? You want to know where your your treasure is, where your heart is? Look at that. Look at your time. Look at your money. Look at the resources that are available to you. See where they go. That will tell you where your heart is. Now, I would, I would like to say to you that my heart is in the right place. My heart is toward God. I'm not sure that that evidence, that hard factual evidence in my life necessarily reflects that. But it should. It's an important question to ask and one that I hope that you'll not take lightly. That you will ask yourself, where is my heart? What is important to me? What do I fix my attention on? Let's continue on. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, Jesus understood the power that the things of this world have in our life. He understood how powerful all of the stuff of this life is to us as humans. But He said, if you're going to be honest about this, you can't serve that as a master and you can't serve God as a master both. It's going to be one or the other. Kind of, this is kind of a black and white issue. Now, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to think 
that I'm up here today telling you that you've got to live your life like a pauper and you've got to be poor. That's not what this is about. And if you go out here today thinking that all I did was tell you that you need to ditch all your stuff and go live like a hermit, you missed the point. I like stuff. Matter of fact, if we go back to that first passage when Jesus sent the disciples out, He said, don't take anything with you. When you go, take advantage of the hospitality and the places that you go. You know what? It took people that had houses, that had jobs with money to be able to feed them and house them as they went on their journey. So in God's plan, there are people that should have houses and have jobs and have money. Stuff is okay. I like stuff. (laughs) Stuff is good. God created stuff too. Well, maybe not all the stuff that we've made, but some of it. It's all right. But the point is, where's your attention? Where's your focus? Who's your master? Verse 25, Therefore I will tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Brenda Schwing didn't worry about clothes. Brenda, you can go for two and a half weeks with two outfits. (laughs) That's amazing. Why do you worry about clothes? Brenda doesn't worry about clothes. You shouldn't worry about clothes. (laughs) Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. They don't work hard. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See, Jesus is trying very hard to get our attention and to help us to understand how much God loves us and how much God cares about us and how much God has designed it into the whole system to take care of us and provide for us. You see, God doesn't always provide for us the way we expect Him to, the way we define that provision, but God wants to provide for you and God will provide for you. Sometimes God giving you what you need is not necessarily what you want, but it's what you need. And God said, if you spend all your time worrying about the clothes that you're going to wear and all the outward stuff in your life, you're missing the point. Because here's some flowers out in the field that are absolutely beautiful. People look at the flowers and they go, ooh and ah, or something similar to that. And they don't even have to do anything to earn that. They just exist. Because I created them to be beautiful. And in God's eyes, He created you to be beautiful. Somehow or another, we get it all convoluted and complex and mixed up and it's not the way it's supposed to be. So, how do we go about getting our lives where God wants us to be? Well, here's the real issue, I think. And especially in this, in the, with the idea of packing light. The problem is, you and I have excess baggage. We have excess baggage. Much like some of our friends in the pictures that we saw earlier. They had excess baggage. Too much. And here, here's, here's my point. Here's where I think it kind of where the rubber hits the road for all of us. In your life, I wonder, do any of you carry around the baggage of fear? I mean, when I throw a picture of Wall Street up and a, and a stockbroker holding his head, and be, be, does that strike fear into your heart? Do you know that that's baggage? Because that's not of God. 
How about anger? Any of you carry around some baggage of anger or bitterness? What kind of baggage are you carrying? You carrying around the baggage of false identity or a facade that you're living? How about the, the baggage of habits or addictions in your life? Ungodly habits, ungodly addictions. Are you carrying that baggage with you today? What kind of baggage are you carrying? What kind of baggage stays with you? Well, how, about, how about the baggage of lost expectations or unfulfilled expectations? What about dreams that never occurred that you just can't seem to let go of? What about a failed relationship? What kind of baggage are you hanging on to today? God is saying to you, it's time to purge yourself of some baggage. How about the baggage of memories that just you can't let go of? Or what about just the distractions of this life? The things that keep you so busy, so consumed and preoccupied that you can't, just can't seem to get that, have time for that relationship with God. That's excess baggage. And God's saying to us today, I believe, through these passages of Scripture, I think it's His heart to communicate with us, we have got to purge ourselves of excess baggage. We've got to get rid of all these things that weigh us down and hold us back. Because God wants us to pack light and He wants us to be able to travel with Him. When we talk about baggage, I want to further the idea, the concept of it with you just a little bit further. Because some of that baggage affects not only your past, but the present, and is also having an impact on your future. You have an anger problem, baggage of anger that you just you take with you everywhere. It's like a backpack that you wear that you never take off. comes out whenever it's, a, it's messed up your past, it's affecting your present today, and it's limiting your future because you refuse to take that baggage off. Cast it aside. Any one of those things, whatever one seemed to hit you, understand that it has brought you to where you are today, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way, and it is affecting where you're going in the future, the way that you're handling this excess baggage. And God wants you to cast it aside and get rid of that excess baggage. He wants you to pack light and trust Him. Let's continue on. Verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We need to ask ourselves this question. Why? Why are you carrying the baggage that you're carrying? Ask yourself, first of all, why did I even get that baggage to begin with? Whatever it is. Maybe it's just a focus on all the stuff of this world. Not only why did I get it, but why have I not been able to let it go? And I'll tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is God's heart that you find a way to let it go. Because God wants you to live in freedom. You see, packing life, you've got the flexibility. If you want to go down this road, you can go down this road. If God says go here, you can go here. If God wants to give you something on the journey, how would you like to get something new on the journey? I believe God's got stuff on the journey that He wants to give you. But if your hands are full, hanging on to baggage from the past, stuff that you won't let go of, or if you're just, you're just full of con contingency planning, oh my goodness, look at this. Look at this. Getting it out here. 
I have a very fat wallet. An extremely fat wallet. And I sit on that thing every day. It's not fat with money, by the way. There's not a penny in it, okay? I don't have anything, no money in there. You know what I've got in here? Just being real honest with you, I've got contingencies in here. I got a, a Lowe's credit card for the company in case I need to get something. I got an Office Max credit card for you. I got a Home Depot credit card for the company. I got an Office Depot credit card. Northern Tool credit card for the company. And then I get into the regular credit cards and they just go on and on. Contingency. I mean, who knows? I might be out and need them. I got my fishing license in here. I got business cards. I got a Sam's Club card in here and the uh, towboat US in case the boat breaks down. And just on and on and on. It's full of contingencies. Because I want to be prepared. Because I don't want to ever be in a place where I'm vulnerable and I have to trust God to come through. Now, you know, I, I, I don't want to go overboard with that, obviously. But there is something to be said with the fact that I just, I, a lot of the stuff that's in here, oh, what is that? Two, two and a half inches? I don't know. Whatever it is. Probably anything more than a quarter of an inch. I haven't touched in months but I keep it right here where it's important. Carry it with me. And don't even get me started on the purses that are out there, okay? Because I don't even know what you guys carry in those things. I, I don't want to know, okay? My, my wife's got a purse that's big enough to keep that donkey in the air for a month. <laughs> it's time that we figured out a way to trust God. It's time that we we discovered that we took a good, hard, honest look at our own lives and said, you know what? I'm way too concerned with the stuff of this world and I'm not nearly concerned enough with the stuff of God. God really wants us to be there. really wants us to live there. Well, here's what kind of brings it all home for us and gives us some good hope. Jesus continuing in verse 33 says this, But... Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I really don't. And I have to tell you, I'm not sure about the future of what we have known in America. I don't tell you that to, to, to scare you or to be a downer in any way. I tell you that because I want you to find a way to put your hope in God. I want you to find a way to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and let Him worry about all that other stuff. Because that's what Jesus Himself said. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. See, we take it upon ourselves that it's our responsibility to get all these other things. But if we'll put our heart in the right place, God wants to take care of all that other stuff in our lives. And today, my encouragement to you and my plea with you is that you will cast off all the excess baggage in your life. You'll find a way to pack light to be like those disciples that Jesus commissioned and sent out. Follow God. Follow God. Seek Him first. Sometimes it's just a matter of priority. Maybe we're seeking God, but we're seeking God after we seek all the other stuff. And then we've kind of boxed God out of a whole big portion of our lives. Let's well, seek God first and see what He can do for us after that. Let's pray. Father, 
your ways really are higher than our ways. And the things that are important to you are so much different than the things that are important to us. God, it's our hearts today to follow you and to obey you and to please you and to honor you. God, we admit, we acknowledge that it's kind of hard to let go of some of the stuff that's holding us back, some of the stuff we just want to carry around. Lord, I pray you'd help us today to take off all the excess baggage and lay it at your feet. I pray you'd today help us to learn to trust you to release ourselves into your care and your provision. And I pray, God, you'd speak to us and give us clarity of direction for the the next leg of our journey, whatever it may be. We love you, God, and we honor you. We thank you for walking with us on the journey. In Christ's name, amen.